0: Your music is always beautiful, but that was exquisite. Thank you. The word resurrection is like, well, like the word resurrection. It lives on, fully alive today, as a potent idea for millions of people, specifically. The notion lives on for many Christians, not all, mind you, who believe that Jesus literally bodily reappeared. To many others, resurrection is an ancient, ignorant misunderstanding of death that simply won't die. I don't believe in the physical resurrection of Christ, but neither do I imagine that the citizens of Israel, the citizens of Jerusalem, didn't understand the finality of death. I think they were looking for a way to make meaning of Jesus' death, something we very much try to do today, make meaning of death. Of loss. Interestingly, the gospel account we read today ends with a simple empty cave, short of resurrection. It just stops. Abruptly, for some, since it doesn't contain the vivid descriptions of resurrection scenes that come from other gospels. The Gospel of John, the last one written, has cinematic descriptions of the deserted linen shroud rolled up on the bench in the cave. Mary weeps openly. An angel asks why she's crying. She explains they've taken their Lord. And then she turns... And there's Jesus himself. With parallel action, Jesus asks the very same question. Woman, why are you weeping? Whom do you seek? She doesn't recognize Jesus at first. He's now more like the angel. But then Mary cries out, teacher! She runs to tell the disciples what she's seen. And this elaborate scene is fine theater, but written much later. It's no eyewitness account. So today, with the Gospel of Mark as our guide, we too are going to stop at the empty tomb and its unexpected nothingness. We're going to stop before the elaborate imagery of the resurrection that we've come to know is spelled out. We're going to stop before thousands of years of interpretation and misinterpretation have taken full hold. We're going to pause to look inside the empty tomb because there is value in vacancy. The Tao Te Ching calls emptiness the void. In this 6th century BCE, before the common era ancient text, Lao Tzu supposedly writes, we mold clay into a pot, but it's the void inside that makes it useful. We hammer wood for a house, but it's the inner space that makes it livable. Emptiness is a common philosophical theme among many ancient and contemporary traditions. In Taoism, emptiness is translated as wu nothing, no thing, non being. It doesn't mean a vacuum, it means It's more like a blank slate. In emptiness lies infinite possibilities. Emptiness is empty. It can mean being without desire. It can be the spiritual openness of our minds. Emptiness is the opposite of fullness. One accessible demonstration of woo... Comes from the Zen Buddhist tradition. It's a favorite story of mine. A Buddhist scholar with extensive knowledge and background in Buddhism comes to study with a Zen master. And after making the customary bows, the scholar asks the master to teach him Zen Buddhism. Then he begins to talk about his extensive doctrinal background and all the sutras he's studied, and he rambles on and on. The master listens patiently and begins to make tea. When it's ready, she begins to pour it into the scholar's cup. She fills it up, but then she keeps pouring until it overflows. And it begins to run all over the floor, and the scholar says, Stop! The cup is full, can't you see? Stop pouring! The master stops and says, You are like the cup. You come and ask for teaching, but your cup is full. I can't put anything in. Before I can teach you, you have to empty your cup. So our 21st century understandings of Easter are like the tea ceremony. Our cups have been overflowing with stories. Thousands of years of rich speculation by sincere religious people have been poured out through texts, and art, and music, and liturgy, and it's all an effort to understand, to comprehend the death of a beloved teacher. In ancient Israel, they thought Jesus was their Messiah, making sense that he was murdered brutally by the Roman state on a cross with two other common robbers, remains, remains unsettling and disturbing and unresolved. We've lost sight of what it, it was like for early followers of Jesus, many not even Christian yet, to cope with this unexpected turn of events. If we can, let's imagine ancient Israel where it must have been a shock for all who knew about the radical, hopeful teachings of Jesus. Love your neighbor as yourself. Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. How can this gentle but fierce rabbi have been crucified? His death is embarrassing and horrifying. Their spiritually powerful leader has been mocked and falsely accused and tried and crucified. Nobody in Jerusalem expected their Messiah to die, especially so shamefully and violently. So his death leaves a gaping void of uncertainty and confusion Maybe he isn't as powerful as they imagine. Maybe his teaching aren't as important as they seemed at first. Or the opposite. Maybe his execution gives too much meaning to his simple life of traveling and teaching. In his martyrdom, everything Jesus does or supposedly does explode into extraordinary legend. Had Jesus died a natural death, would we have so many extraordinary stories about him? Would we be asking about the empty tomb story, begging for understanding? My spiritual sensibilities are more Eastern than Western. For me, much of the ancient and modern Christianity moves too quickly to fill in the storylines, to figure out the empty tomb, and to jump to resurrection. Explaining the loss by claiming Christ has been bodily raised from the dead is filling in the void with something not there. It is similar to how we assume Humpty Dumpty is an egg even though the nursery rhyme never mentions the word. Some scholars suggest Humpty Dumpty is some type of canon up on city walls, and other scholars suggest that maybe it's the English Richard III, the king. But we've all seen drawings and illustrations of the anthropomorphic egg teetering on the edge, just as we've all seen paintings, read accounts, and been taught about the glorious resurrection of Jesus. And it is so seductive to jump to the joy of Easter rather than stay with that riddle of the empty tomb. We want to celebrate, if not the specific resurrection of Christ than the metaphorical resurrection of spring, of flowers, of trees, of animals and insects returning after the barren winter. The story of the empty tomb is really about how a community copes with unexpected loss and who delivers the news that things aren't as we expected them to be. As we look into the empty tomb and realize the world as we know it will never be the same. We are looking into a void of uncertainty and fear. And the way forward isn't clear at all. The origin of resurrection is the Greek word Anastasis, and it means not rising up from the dead, but standing up again. We all lie down. We all rise up. We do this every day, physically, emotionally, metaphorically. We look into the void of loneliness and witness, it is not all that empty. Rather than a once and only resurrection, we can view all the commonplace and frequently unnoticed ways that people peer into the void of death and loss and manage to rise above their loneliness and fear. We can imagine those as ordinary Resurrections. I have an internet story about the value of the void. After the death of a 16-year-old girl, Esther, and the irony of the name isn't lost on me, Esther, from thyroid cancer, John Green, I hope some of you know who John Green is. He's an author and one half of the Vlogbrother's whose internet empire is a phenomenon of information, compassion, and nerdiness. And John made a video eulogy to his friend, Esther. They had met before at a Harry Potter convention, fan convention, and in his touching video, John, in his typical rapid-fire delivery, says. I won't deliver it the way he can. Before I wrote books, I worked as a chaplain at a children's hospital. And when I was there, my supervisor always used to tell me, John, don't just do something, stand there. We all want to do something to mitigate the pain of loss or to turn grief into something positive, to find a silver lining in the cloud. But I believe there is real value in standing there, being still, being sad, bearing witness, and allowing ourselves to be transformed by it. So at the heart of Easter is the realization that with any loss, while nothing will ever be the same, the world will still be there. The heart of Easter is witnessing how the emptiness fills again with life. We do not have to do anything We do not have to rush into action. We can stand there, gazing into the void, trusting the nothingness inside is truly useful. Happy Easter. We give away our plate every Sunday. And this Sunday it goes to